My turn to welcome you. Again, if you're a guest of ours, we are especially honored uh, to have you with us this morning. You picked a good morning to be here, by the way. We are starting a brand new sermon series today that I'm just calling Family. Uh, not talking about our church family. We're going to be talking about your family. And you're thinking, no, I don't want to talk about my family. Yes, you do. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. We're going to talk about your marriage. We're going to talk about your kids and what to do with your kids. And we're going to talk about your parents and what to do with your parents. We're going to spend several weeks talking about family. Now, sometimes when I'm trying to decide what to preach on or preach a series on, I'll just preach on something I love to talk about. Other times I'll preach on something that I feel like we need to talk about. This series is really more of a, a need than a want. We need to talk about our families. Now, Satan is really good at what he does. Uh, and the, the culture that we live in is so marginalized and eroded, and, and, and you know, the family just is almost unrecognizable as to what God intended it to be in so many of our, uh, you know, our homes today. So we're going to talk about family. We all want better families. We want better marriages. We want to be closer to our kids. We all want happier homes. Because I think when a family is firing on all cylinders, I think when a family is working and living and loving and laughing and crying like God intended us to be together, I think it's about as good as it gets this side of heaven. I don't think there's anything better than a family that is working the way God intended a family to work. So that's what we're going to talk about for a couple of weeks. And I want to begin this series in a place where you might not expect me to begin the series. I want to begin by talking to those of you whose family is still in front of you. At least your family. Those of you who maybe your new family is still in front of you. In other words, those of you who are experiencing this wild, wonderful phenomenon that we call dating. And you're thinking, why? I don't want to talk about this. Why? Why did I come today? Why don't I go back and help with the kids in the back now? Why? No, again, it's going to be great. And you're going to hear some things. You're going to learn some things. You're going to be so much smarter at the end of today. You're going to be so much ahead of the curve on this. You're really going to be glad that you came today. I think it's a logical place for us to start. Because when you talk about family, family doesn't just happen. There's a lot of decisions that go into family. A lot of decisions on the way to family. And it's a lot easier to make the right decision in the moment than it is to go back and try to correct a poor decision after the fact. So that's where we're beginning. And by the way, if you're a married person, don't check out on me. This is going to be applicable to you too. I've been dating for 35 years now. I just keep going out with the same girl. So if you're dating or if you're married, this is going to be for you. If you're a little bit younger than that, you know, this is going to be for you as well. And again, we're going to talk about some things that you might not hear other places. You won't hear it at school. I don't think you'll hear it too much at work. You won't hear it on television, or how I met your mother, that kind of thing. Um, so as we get started, let me ask you a question for those of you in that, that dating phase. What's your plan? 
Do you have a plan? Now, what's your plan? What's your goal? How do you see this playing out on your way to family? Because while it's true, you're not going to marry every person you date. You are going to marry someone that you date. At least in America, you will. Not too many arranged marriages anymore. Somewhere along the line, you're going to date someone, and then there's a chance that you'll marry someone. Now, I should back up and say this. Marriage is not for everyone. I get it. Dating is not for everyone. Now, if you're not dating, if you're not married, that is fine. You know, no less than the Apostle Paul said, marriage isn't for me. Because the Apostle Paul said, my opinion, my advice, if I were you, I wouldn't get married. That's what Paul said. But Paul knew what we know. Most people get married. So we need to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it today. If, you, uh, if you're in that dating stage, What's your plan? girl brought her fiancé home to meet her parents for the first time. And the father pulled the young man aside and said, Son, I'd like to know what's your plan. And the young man said, Well, sir, I don't really have a plan other than I know God will provide. He said, Well, do you have a job? He said, No, sir, I don't have a job. But God will provide. Do you have any prospects of a job? No, nothing on the horizon, but God's going to provide. Well, do you have a car? No, don't have a car, but God will provide. Where are you two planning on living when you get married? Well, we haven't really thought that far yet, but we just know God will provide. That evening, the guy's in his bedroom. His wife comes in. His wife said, what do you think about our prospective new son-in-law? The dad said, I don't think too much. He doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't have any prospects. He doesn't have a car. He doesn't have everywhere to live. Plus... He thinks I'm God. <laughs> and all of us older men are going, yeah, that's not really that funny. You're dating someone. You're, you're thinking about dating someone. What's your plan? Let me share with you a strategy that far too many people have as their whole dating marriage plan. And I'll tell you right up front, it's not a very good plan. I'm just going to wait for the perfect person to come along. And when the perfect person comes along, everything will be great. Or I'm just going to wait till, you know, if I can meet the perfect person, if I can marry the perfect person, everything else will take care of itself. Here's what no one tells you. While you're waiting for the perfect person, while you're waiting for the right one to come along, the right one is also waiting for the right one to come along. So the question really today isn't, will I meet the right one? The question that I'm asking today, really the question of this, of this lesson is, am I becoming the right one? Am I becoming the right person? And I don't mean that just to be some cute saying or something you know, you'd see on a, a bumper sticker somewhere. This really is kind of the whole deal about what we're talking about this morning. Am I becoming the right person? And nobody ever talks about that. We don't talk about that very much. And so what happens, people get on the other side of a relationship or on the other side of marriage and they say, wow, is this it? You know, what, what a letdown. I was, I was expecting something much 
more, something better. But I was so sure that he was the right one. And I was so sure that she was the right one. And they put all this time and all this effort and all this energy into finding the right one. And they don't put any time, any effort, any energy into becoming the right one. John Ortborg tells a story, true story, about a girl who had grown up as a Christian, but she kind of left all that behind when she got out of school. She moved to Atlanta and kind of immersed herself in the whole young single scene there, doing the club hopping thing, and um, just kind of was living for the weekend, you know, going from club to club, and guy to guy, and bedroom to bedroom, and uh, trying to light life out that way. Kind of forgot about her her background and her teaching and all those things. And then at a gathering, she met a young man. And in her words, this guy was it, the total package. He was handsome, he was smart, he was funny, he was articulate, he was, he was a Christian, and he was very upfront about that. He was living out his faith in, in his relationships as well. And in her conversation with this guy, she was reminded of some things that she'd left behind, some things that she'd put on the back burner. And she realized as she was talking to him how much she admired that in him and how much she appreciated his focus and his drive. And she thought, you know, this is the kind of guy I'm looking for. And so the next morning she called her mother and she said, Mom, I met this guy last night. And she was telling her mom all about this wonderful guy. He's smart, he's handsome, he's, he's a Christian. He's... He's the guy I'm looking for. And there was a pause in the conversation and her mother said, but sweetheart, that kind of guy isn't looking for a girl like you. It's pretty harsh, isn't it? But that mom was completely right. That kind of guy wasn't looking for that kind of girl. So let me ask the question another way. Are you... Who are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? Are you who the person you're looking for is looking for? In other words, if you were to sit down and make a list of the person you're looking for, and you could do that, you know what, that, what you want that person to look like, be like, act like. You know, if you just made a list, here's what I want in his background. Here's what I don't want in his background. You know, here's... Um, Here's some things that I want her to, some character traits that I want her to have. Here's some I don't want her to have. I don't want them to have this addiction. I don't want them to have this, this problem. I don't want her to have this kind of baggage. You know, if you were to sit down and make a list like that, you could do that. You know what you're looking for. Not that you're perfect, but you know what you're looking for. The question is, are you becoming? Are you making an effort? Are you being intentional about becoming the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Or are you just playing that game that so many people play? I'm just going to wait for Mr. Right. I'm just going to wait for the right girl. And somehow, magically, the right person's going to come along. And somehow, magically, we're going to meet... And magically, we're going to fall in love and life will be everything that I ever dreamed it to be. Newsflash, it doesn't work that way. Trust me, 
It does not work that way. If your idea is, I'm looking, I'm searching, I'm waiting, that's not going to happen. What can happen is saying, God, I want you to transform me. I want to start with me. And I want you to help me be the kind of person that the person I'm looking for might be looking for. Now, here's kind of a neat thing, interesting thing. When you open up God's Word, and we're getting to God's Word, by the way. When you open up the Bible, the Bible doesn't really say a whole lot about finding the right person. Not a whole lot of teaching in there about that. Not a whole lot of instruction about finding the right person. But when you open the Bible and say, God, tell me how to become the right person, oh boy, Scripture lights up. I mean, it just lights up. And you know, that should not come as a surprise to us. Because God created us. And God created relationships. Relationships are His idea. It's natural for you to want someone to tell you, I love you. That's natural. It's natural for you to want someone to tell you, I adore you. I think about you all the time. We're wired to want that, to need that, to have that sustain us. It's natural for your heart to skip a beat when she walks in the room. It's natural for you know, a smile to come across your face when you hear the garage door go up because you know, you know he's here. That's natural. And you're thinking, wow, that is so romantic. No, that's God's thumbprint on our soul. He made us that way. He made us to want someone to tell us, I'll go to my grave loving you. That's how we were created. Here's what I want you to hear from me this morning. I know I'm older than most of you, and I know that I'm out of touch in a lot of ways, but I'm not out of touch on this one. That relationship you want, that life you want, that family you want, you can have it. It can be done. It can be yours. And I don't want you to give up on that dream. Just because the world tells you the dream doesn't work that way anymore. The dream still works. But you've got to join God in His dream. God's got to be the focus of the relationship. It still happens. We're made for it. But it only happens God's way. Not by accident, but by intentionally becoming the person the person you're looking for is looking for. So... Let me get specific. Let me give you some starting points that, about working on some things that we need to become. And it's really, really good for me as a preacher that there's a list in the Bible. I told you we we're getting to the Bible. There happens to be a list in the Bible that is perfect starting points to, to, to begin and places to stay in becoming the kind of person that the person I'm looking for might be looking for. So let's highlight a few things. It's, it's a... Uh, it's this passage that you're going to be very familiar with. One of the most famous chapters in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We know it as the love chapter. That's right. It's a list. So we're going to take a look at some of the things on the list. We're not going to go through them all. You're smart. You can read them. We're going to look at some of the things that Paul says. Here's what you need to focus on. Here's what you need to work on. Here's what you need to practice to build strong relationships. Here's how he starts. He says, love is 
What's the word? Love is patient. I'm practicing with you. Love is patient. What's patience mean? Love is patience. What Paul is saying is love never pressures anyone ever. Love doesn't pressure. Love creates as much space and time and margin as the other person needs. That's what love does. Love is patient. If you're in a relationship and you feel like the other person is push, 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 or you feel like the other person is, you know, we should, you can, I want, they're not loving you. They're doing something, but they're not loving you. Because love is patient. And by the way, this isn't a virtue that just magically appears when you say, I do. It's something you've got to work on. Something that you, that you grow in. So every single day, every single date, every single relationship, you should be getting better and better at being patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. Some newer versions say love is considerate. You know what considerate means? It means that you take into consideration the feelings of the other person. You care. Love is kind. Martha, my wife, has kind of a mantra that she has said since our kids were born, probably before that. It's kind of become a catchphrase in our family. You know, we throw it back and forth with each other. But, but she hears something, she, she sees something, and she'll say, just be kind. Just be kind. Could you imagine what the world would be like if everyone would just be kind? And again, kindness isn't something that you start working on when you feel like you've met the right person. You've got to be growing in this. You've got to be working on it so that when the right person comes along, you're going to be the kindest, most considerate person on the face of the planet. Let me tell you uh, people who are dating. Let me tell you what married people thought. They won't tell you this, but I told you you're going to learn some things today. Here's what married people thought. Married people thought, when the right person comes along, they are going to be so right. And they are going to be so perfect. I don't have to be patient. They're never going to do anything that's going to cause me to be patient. I don't have to be kind. I'm not going to have to worry about being considerate. When the right person shows up, they're going to be so right. It's just going to work. And the problem is the other person's thinking the same thing. And so they never work on any of these things. And then they get in a relationship and the wheels start coming off. They go, wait, I need to learn patience. And you really need to learn patience. You know, I, I never worked on being kind and considerate. Obviously, you haven't either. And, you know, the relationship just explodes. It just explodes. Paul says, wait, 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 wait a minute. I want you to become something. I want you to work at becoming something. It'll make relationships work. Be kind. And then he goes on. Love does not envy. Let me tell you this. Some of your parents divorced over that one. You might not think it was envy, 
But you know what envy is? Envy is a person saying, I don't like me, so I can't let you like you. I don't feel so good about me, so I'm not going to let you feel too good about you. And they drag you down, and drag you down, and drag you down. You know, by nature, we're competitive people, and Satan uses that in so many ways. You know, maybe a husband sees his wife being more successful in some areas than he is, and he has a hard time dealing with that. So he doesn't feel good about himself, and he wants to make sure she doesn't feel good about herself. Maybe a wife sees a husband as, you know, more outgoing, and people are drawn to him, and and that bothers her, that they're not drawn to her, and she doesn't feel good about herself, so we make sure that he doesn't feel good about himself either. And they drag each other down. And they drag each other down. And the relationship is, is destroyed. Because they never knew they had a problem with this. They never knew that, that envy was something they were going to have to work on. And then they get in a relationship, or they get in a marriage, and they realize, wow, I've got to deal with this. I've got to work on this. It takes work. He goes on. Love does not boast, is not proud. And we could talk about all of these things, but just let me ask you this. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you that grew up, and you would say, you know, my family life, my, my growing up family wasn't the best. You know, my growing up family uh, was kind of a mess. Maybe your parents got divorced. Maybe they didn't. But you look at their relationship, and as you were growing up, you thought, you know, if that's marriage, count me out. Do you think that relationship, do you think that family would have benefited from a man and a woman who'd spent time working on these things that Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 13? Do you think it would have made a difference if that dad would have been a little bit more patient with that mom? Do you think it would have made a difference in the family if that, if that wife was a little bit more considerate to that husband? And the answer is, of course it would. So those of you whose family is still ahead of you, you need to be working on those things now. You need to be focusing on those things now. Because when you get in a relationship, and certainly when you get in a marriage, it's where the rubber hits the road. And you're going to have to have those skills and those abilities and that mindset. You want to have a relationship that, that honors God. With your life, with your dating life, with your marriage. Which brings me to the next one. Love is not rude. I like the version that reads, love does not dishonor others. Again, you know what that means? It means that love never, ever, ever causes regret in someone else. You know what I'm talking about? Love never does anything that's going to cause someone else to regret what they did, what they said, whether it's in six weeks or six years. You never become part of someone's regret story. You never become part of someone's story that goes, boy, I wish he'd never called. I wish we'd never met. I wish we hadn't gone there. I wish we... Hadn't done that. 
Love does not become part of someone's regret story. And when you fall madly in love with someone, when the right person comes along, you're not going to say anything, you're not going to do anything that's going to cause that relationship sometime to look back with regret. That's not love. Then he goes on. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not selfish. And again, we could talk about them, but, but just let me ask this. Do any of these things in this list come naturally? Easily? No. No, they all take effort. They all take work. It doesn't come naturally. But again, you can do it. You can make it happen. If you decide that, God, I want you to use me, I want you to work through me, I want to become the kind of person that the kind of person I'm looking for is looking for. I want to become the kind of person that is worth pursuing. I want to become the kind of person that's worth catching. I want to become the kind of person that's worth keeping. I want to be ready. So if I should happen to meet the right person, then I'm the kind of person they're looking for. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, I think Paul ends it in kind of an odd way. You know how he ends it. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And of course, that's kind of obvious. That's what children do, right? They talk, they think, they reason like children. When I became a man, or you could say when I grew up, when I became an adult, when I became an adult, I put childish ways behind me. With that ending in mind, let me ask you a question. How does every single childhood fairy tale end? How do they all end? You know, when the prince finally saves the princess, when they get rid of the evil stepmother, when they, you know, the, they vanquish the dragon, when all the obstacles are overcome, when they've done all those things, they're finally together at the end and the sun is going down over the mountains and they're both riding one horse and they head towards that sunset. The story always ends the same way. And they lived... They lived happily ever after. Every childhood fairy tale ends, they lived happily ever after. If the guy and the girl can just get together, everything works out. Some of you are approaching your relationships and some of you are approaching your dating relationships like a child. You are talking like a child. You are thinking like a child. And you are reasoning like a little child. And it's time to put childish ways behind you. It's time to grow up. It's time to become an adult and realize that those kind of relationships don't happen by magic. Those kind of relationships take commitment, they take focus, they take being able to say yes, and they take being able to say no. They take knowing what you want, knowing what you don't want, knowing what you'll settle for and what you won't settle for. It takes God. It takes God to be the center, the anchor of your life and your relationships. It takes work. So, are you becoming the right person? Are you honoring God 
with your relationships. That's what you were created for. That's what I, I want for you. But really, who cares what I want? That's what God wants for you. God wants you to have it all. He wants you to have the kind of relationship that He has in mind for you, which leads to the kind of marriage that you've always dreamed about, which leads to the kind of family that you're so proud of, the kind of kids that, that you love so much. You can do it. You can do it. But it's going to take God. Now, I know that a lesson like this lands in a thousand different places. And I don't know where it landed for you. Maybe something I've said offended you, and I hope that wasn't the case. It certainly wasn't my intention. Maybe it's old hat to you. Maybe it's brand new information. I don't know. But I hope it at least reminded us and helped us to, to focus on the fact that God wants the very best for me. But it's not about someone else. It's about me. It's not about someone else doing something it's about me doing the right thing. It's about me becoming who God has created me to be and me living that way. That's what God wants for us. For us to become people that are characterized by love. That list in 1 Corinthians 13. To define us. So, are you becoming the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Ask yourself that before that next date. Dave's got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement this morning. Maybe something else is going on in your life that you just need to share with church family here, something we can pray with you about, something we can pray for you. Maybe today's lesson has touched you in a way that uh, you just need prayers of people who love you. If there's anything as a, as a church body that we can do for you, just meet us down here at the front. Let's stand and sing.